Are you ready to ignite? I am prepared to burn this place to the ground. We had Jason on the show earlier, and he was talking about how he still blames me for burning down his favorite bar, and I think he said Fargo or somewhere in North Dakota, but I apologize for that. Hey, if he burnt down a bar, then you really ignited. I hope we don't get that <laughs> hot in here today because I don't know I can handle that. And I appreciate you coming on with me because I, I kind of asked you with short notice. Uh, yeah, you I know, I got like an email. Week and yeah, it was earlier in the week. You said, hey, can you join me for a, a session? I said, can I hang out with Gary for an hour? Absolutely. I mean, we got to hang out quite a bit at Podcast Movement, but one is enough. Never. You know, you can never hang out with John Lee Dumas too much. And I've I sounded like I'm kissing your rear, but you know, when you hang out with when when you hang out with people as motivated as you are and as positive as you are, when you leave, your whole attitude is adjusted, even if it's just temporarily. I and agree that's, with that's that. That's my thoughts on it. Well, it's true. And one of my favorite quotes that I actually reference every single episode of EO Fire is the Jim Rohn quote. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's why I say, and you've been hanging out with Gary and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And I mean it. Like, I'm a big believer in that who you surround yourself with is, is so critical to your success, both current and future. And for me, you know, when I, I used to listen to the great podcasts like by Andrew Warner and, you know, fill in the blank of all those great shows, I was really feeling like I was upping my game because where I was living at the time in Maine, there just weren't a lot of those like-minded thinkers. So I was like, man, this is the best way that I have to surround myself with inspiring, successful people is to listen to the podcast. And so when I have someone from Fire Nation listen to my show, I really believe that I and my guests are part of their five. So they're off to a pretty good start. And it's up to them to kind of find those other three to really make it a full day. And that's such that's such great advice, and it's so true. It's so true. Hey, did you say you were from Maine? Born and raised. I'm actually in Maine as we speak right now. I come back every September to visit family, and also I keynote uh, Rich Brooks Agents of Change events. So it was myself and Chris Brogan this year were the closing and opening keynote, and we're both from Maine, myself and Chris. What part and are you just, from? I'm from the, the town next to Kennebunk. It's called Lyman, Maine. You know where Mount Desert Island is? Yeah, Mount Desert Islands. I know, I know it very well. <laughs> my, uh, my dad was from there. Matter of fact, there's a, I went there to do some family genealogy like 30 years ago, and it was a Leland's Cove from my original ancestors back in the wow. 1700s. You have a pretty cove cool. named after yeah. you. That's really cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So I was pretty excited about that. But I, I didn't realize you were from that part of the country. Yeah, that's where EO Fire launched. Okay, okay. And then you moved to Puerto Rico. Hey, uh, I want to get into something real quick instead of just uh, chatting here because I know people didn't get in here just to hear me and you talk about uh, where we're from and stuff like that. I was listening to your interview last week on Paul Coggins' show, The Podcast Report. For yeah. those who aren't familiar with it, great show. That was a great interview. And one of the things that really hit me, there were several things about your interview that hit me, but one thing that really sunk in when I heard you say it, I was like, cha-ching, this guy's got it which is obvious you have it. I have been a believer and I have been saying for years and years and years, you have to sell your own products instead of trying to make money exclusively off of uh, sponsors. And Paul asked you, which would you rather have? Sponsors or sell your own product? Then you answer, the answer I give all the time, sell your own products, which is what I do. And I was, I was like, man, this guy's got, this guy's got it now because that is the, the whole thing and the uh, whole enchilada put together now. 
I'm a big believer in that, and I think that Paul really hit on some really important points during that episode that even I was like, Paul, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Like, I'm, gr- I'm glad that you dove into some of these numbers. And in fact, I'm going to make sure my team listens to this episode so that we can start tracking these numbers. So if anybody hasn't listened to that episode, I highly recommend it. And I think I actually have it pulled up right here. It's um, um, thepodcastreport.com. You can go there and listen to um, any of his episodes are great, but I was on episode... 102 of that and we really talked a lot about this because this is the, this is the reality when you're a podcaster you are delivering free valuable and consistent content which is really exciting and that's allowing you as the podcast host to build an audience that knows likes and trusts you so if you show those people that know like and trust you that you care about them by asking them a question like um fire nation or you know my audience what are you struggling with? And you really genuinely care what their answers are. They will tell you what their pain points, obstacles, challenges, struggles are, and then you can listen. And then you, as the person that asked them the question, that listened to their answer, can provide the solution in the form of a product, a service, a community. And when I look at all the revenue streams we developed with EO Fire, the ones that I'm proudest of are the ones that are solutions to the problems of my listeners. Podcasters Paradise, over 3,000 members, almost $4 million in revenue to date. The Freedom Journal, you know, the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter at over $450,000 in just 33 days, which, by the way, we just sold our 14,000th Freedom Journal. Wow. Um, That came from my audience, from me saying, what are you guys struggling with? And they're saying, well, John, we don't know how to set and accomplish goals. And I provided the solution for them with the Freedom Journal. Like everything that I've done has been um, a response to the problems that my audience has. And those are products, those are services, those are communities. And guess what? Nobody can take that away from me. And nobody can take that away from my business where sponsorships, that could go away tomorrow. That's on the whim of the company. You know, I had 99 Designs be a sponsor of mine for three years. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they changed, you know, affiliate management and management that's a manager slash management that's my combo word and uh they email me and say hey john we're sorry like um we're, we're gonna put the pause on sponsorships right now and i was like okay well that was a huge section of my sponsorships fortunately there was a, a great company you know big plug for them right now called designcrowd.com slash fire which is just like a 99 designs except right now better because they're sponsoring eo fire and they switched <laughs> right, in and right, said hey i better. see i see much better now. Um, and they said, you know, hey, John, like we see the 99 Designs left you. We'd love to fill that void. They did. A month later, 99 Designs came back and they're like, oh, we made a big mistake. Like we realized how much traffic you were sending us. And now you're not because you're sending it to another company. We want back on. And I'm like, sorry, like until Design Crowd decides to hit the pause button, you guys have lost out. But, you know, I, I tell that story because like there was a time there where I was like, wow, like, I have a big void to fill on this podcast sponsorship area. And that was just one email. So, you know, you're always you know podcast sponsorship revenue always feels great but you're always one email away from not having it you know a, a story i always tell people john it's a, a similar type thing is back in 2000 maybe 10 i started the fast pitch tv show as a podcast and we started doing it and we had maybe done 20 30 episodes and we had maybe 300 uh, people per episode that watched and we were going hey this is pretty good and east and sporting goods one of the biggest sporting good companies in the world called us out of the blue or called me and said, Hey, we'd like to sponsor your show. I was like, really? I only have 300 viewers. And they said, no, we'd like to sponsor your show. So I gave them a number that I felt was kind of high for 300 viewers. And they said, okay, we'll do it. And we'll take it for the whole year and we'll send you a check tomorrow. 
was like, wow, to 10. I mean, I was pretty pumped. This new show is just starting. Well, when the year's up, they didn't want to renew and our numbers were way bigger. But if you sit back and look at that adventure with me having advertisers, I had that advertiser for one year back in maybe 2010. I'm just guessing when I started that. Now it's 2017 or almost 17. And they are still having their ads on those for that year, 52 episodes that have run for almost seven years now and have gotten thousands and thousands and thousands of views. So to me, that's a concern sometimes is you, you get money up front, but uh, on the video, it was, it killed, it didn't kill me, but it was like, every time I see those early shows and they got 500 views this month or a thousand this month, I'm like, ah, those guys cleaned up on me. Yeah, it's so true. And that's something you really want to think about when you're going into a relationship with a sponsor or just any partner in general is, you know, you want those expectations to be there. And that's why I always say, I think it's a good uh, way to start podcast sponsorships when you have the sponsor that's not like your sponsor was, Gary, where they're just like, hey, let me send you a check for the year. Like, that's a great opportunity. That's not going to happen all the time. But when you have a sponsor for the first time, my, my attitude is, listen, why not start that sponsorship off right by making sure that they don't feel like they didn't get the ROI, that return on investment that they need, that they want, and just do a CPA, which is cost per acquisition. So you can say, hey, listen, like you can be the sponsor of my show for free. I'm going to promote your brand, your show, and you're only going to pay me if and when I send you a client that buys a product. So when I ring the cash register for you, then you're going to give me a percentage of that pie. So that's the CPA method, the cost per acquisition. The place that I started was CPM, which is cost per melee, which means cost per thousand listens. And that was how I started my show because I had gone six months with no sponsors. And so I built up a big enough audience to have that ROI right away. But if you are just starting off, you have a really niche show and you want to approach sponsors, don't approach them by saying, hey, I'll sponsor you. It's going to be a couple hundred dollars per episode. They might be like, who are you? I don't know you. But if you go to them and say, hey, listen, I'm, I have 400 listens per episode of my show. It's a very niche topic. And I'm willing to bring you on as the sponsor of my show. And only if I send you a client, only if I send you somebody that buys a product, that buys a service, then I get paid. But not until then. It's, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for you because you have the opportunity now to generate revenue. It's a win for your clients because you're going to be giving them a great um, idea or a great advice on a product or a service and hopefully a great discount too. Like most sponsors will, you know, like for um, Design Crowd, you get $99 off, you know, your, uh, or uh, uh, you get a $99 upgrade for free. Like that's an option. So those are things that you can give to your, to your listeners to make it worthwhile for them. And then it's a win for your sponsor because they're only going to be paying you if they themselves get paid. Now, one thing I do kind of like to do, Gary, is stay in the chat a little bit because we have some people that are pretty active in here. So I just want to just kind of yeah. run through a couple right here. Sure, sure. Um, like accidentally, TWT says, JLD, do you provide consultations? Um, accidentally, I don't actually. But all my stuff that I, that I do and everything that I know, I put into a completely free course, freepodcastcourse.com. If you want to check that out, that's where I give all of my – knowledge that i have um in the podcasting world um <laughs> we have a lot of fantasy football talk um but then we also have uh tony says john what kind of camera are you using it's very sharp and clean it's kind of funny tony that you say that because um i don't know why my um logitech c920 which is what i use for my little uh, mobile camera which i'll bring down into the view for a second i usually use this guy right here but fire talks not picking it up um, they must think that uh, we're in some kind of brand competition or something. So I'm just using my uh, my Mac uh, camera right in the phone there. 
And I it looks the same like situation. We're having to use our iPhone. Are you having to use your iPhone right now? Yeah. Oh, bummer. Well, Fire Talk, you're trying. You look good. <laughs> and, What's uh, next, Gary? Jason, you asked the question a couple minutes ago, and I saw you're going to ask it again. I'm sorry I didn't see it the first time. So if you ask it again, I'll try to pick up on that. Who, Jason asked the question? Yeah, yeah, he asked me a question. I just saw him say, I'll ask Gary a second time. Oh, for the wallpaper. Oh, it's brickwallpaper.com. Sorry, I <laughs> guess he wanted wallpaper. to know my site for brick wallpaper. Cool. So, so what's next, brother? Uh, I've kind of thought we'd flow by here. I want people to know that John and I didn't get together and plan all this out. You know, we haven't even talked. You know, so this is just sitting here saying things. Number one, though, I do want to let you know about your book, The Freedom Journal. You gave wow, me a copy of that podcast movement. What? John gave me a copy of that podcast movement and I had it in my backpack with all my equipment and somehow I got pushed into the sink and it was a slow drip in my Whoa. backpack. My backpack got water soaked up. It didn't hurt any equipment, but the journal was all wet. I worked on that thing three days outside, drying it out, opening it in different parts of the book, <laughs> drying it out during the day, bringing it in at night because I didn't want to lose that thing. It's all warped up, but I'm telling you what, still paper, still fine to write on. It just looks weird, but no one's going to see it but me. But Send me a picture. When I, got, when I got through, I said, I can't believe I went through this much work to save this little book. So uh, I felt that was an important gift you gave me, and I appreciated that. Well, my pleasure, Gary. Again, you give the gifts to the world every every time you publish something, and that's kind of one thing that I love as podcasters is when we press, 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 publish on our podcasts, on, you know, doing videos like this, like doing anything, we're pressing publish. We're really giving our voice, our message, our mission to the world. And, you know, there's going to be times when we touch people in, in a very special way that's going to have them go on and do something that we may never even hear or know about. You know, for me, it's that ripple effect. It's that third degree of separation that is just really exciting in the podcasting world. I just loved, you know, earlier how Dave was talking about, you know, how there's two people in the UAE um, that launched something because of Podcasters Paradise. And I saw something in um, our, my community yesterday that in Dubai, two people got together. They thought they were all alone in the podcasting world. But then they, you know, through Podcasters Paradise, went to our little map that we have of all our members. And they said, there's another person in Dubai. Um, so far, Kate and I are the only dot in Puerto Rico, which is kind of sad. But I'm, I'm hoping uh, at some point somebody, somebody from Puerto Rico joins our community. <laughs> hey, I want to go to uh, accidentally TWT. He says his biggest struggle, struggle is growing his audience. He's been going for a year now. You know, and I, you know, a lot of people say this, John. This, this is pretty common stuff. But, you know, what is a good audience? You know, I was speaking at WordCamp this weekend, and I had 50 people in the room. And I thought it was a great audience. I filled the room up. So I see a lot of people go, oh, I only got 100 listeners. I got 300 listeners. But if every week you go to a room and there's 300 people there who are interested in your topic waiting to talk to you, I mean, every Thursday I go to this place and there's 300 people sitting there patiently waiting to talk to me and hear what I have to say, I'm going to go. That's a pretty good room. So I think sometimes people when they, and I don't know if this is your case accidentally, TWT, because I haven't seen your show. But I don't know if this is your case, but sometimes you just got to sit back and realize you don't need big numbers to have a good room. I mean, I, I know your numbers are huge. You're, you're hitting the million, so you're at the opposite end of the spectrum. But I was talking the other day about how when you started, so you still know what that's like. Absolutely. Giant numbers. It's not, and this is one thing that people always come to me, and this is being posted, it seems, in Paradise every other day, is like how many listens or 
listeners or downloads do I need before I start approaching sponsors? And I said, well, like, it doesn't matter those numbers. What matters is like, what's your niche? Like Jason, like he has a podcast where if he has one tenth of the listens that I have for Entrepreneur on Fire, he can still command the same dollar amount, in my opinion, um, for his sponsorships because his listeners are so niche. They're so dialed in so that if he's talking about a great wrestling product, every single listener is going to want to check that out. They're going to be engaged. They're going to want that. And that's going to be so much more meaningful. Those 1,000 listens are going to be so much more meaningful than my you know, 10,000, 100,000, a million listens that are completely you know, to an audience where 99.9% is going to fall into deaf ears because it's just not focused, it's not niche. So it's, it's, really, it's really more about the quality of your listeners. And that's why I, I've been saying this now for actually the past couple of years. And I said, it, hey, 2014 is the year of the niche podcast. And I said, hey, 2015 is the year of the niche podcast. And same thing with 2016. It's, it's 2012, you could get away with launching a podcast like mine and just kind of have, you know, a vague audience and just kind of like a, a spread across, you know, the, the entire business slash entrepreneurship. And you could get away with that. I can't, I could not launch Entrepreneur on Fire today at the, at the skill level that I was at in 2012, which was pathetic and, and have a successful podcast. It would fail miserably. So timing was a huge part of my success. And that's why as we go into future years of 2016 and beyond, like what, is the audience that you're serving and it has to be this very niche or niche depending how you say it audience and that's really important if you're going to have that success so again it's not about the numbers it's going to be about the quality we're talking about a niche you know which, which i am with fast pitch softball and so was jason with his, his wrestling how do you think because i know if you're doing this a lot using facebook live you know helps you to bring your audience and it's trying to throw everything together niche this guy's question about building his audience I think that's a great way to grow your audience is with Facebook Live. Facebook Live is a great way to grow your audience because you want to be where your potential listeners are. Like so many people launch a podcast and they just say, I'm going to sit back and let the power of the directories take over iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. And again, in 2012 and 2013, that works. It's not those two, those years anymore. It's 2016 and beyond. You need to be where your listeners are right now. And if that's not currently on your podcast feed, you need to get out there. So my morning ritual is very structured. I wake up in the morning, I find an inspirational quote that for whatever reason is just speaking to me. I write an email about it, send it to my audience. I take that same email, I publish it to LinkedIn, I publish it to Medium, and then I actually send that email to myself. So it comes to my own email, which I can copy and paste it in my phone, that content of the email. And then I go on a Snapchat rant. I'll go on Snapchat and I'll rant about that topic that I just wrote an email about. You know, it'll be similar content to the email, but it'll just be kind of me free flowing. And then I'll take that entire story on Facebook. I mean, sorry, on Snapchat and I'll post it to Instagram videos. I'll take the individual snaps and I'll upload those to Instagram stories. And then I'll take that video and post it to Facebook as well. So I'm hitting all of those different mediums with essentially one piece of content, which is me expounding upon a quote that for whatever reason I found semi or really inspiring that day. And that's how I'm able to produce a lot of content in a short amount of time. That whole thing that I just talked to you about takes me 30 minutes from start to finish every single day. And I've just put JLD across all those platforms and people can or can consume me on any of those levels. And it might be like, oh yeah, it's been a few days since I listened to EO Fire or a few weeks or a few months. Let me go check out 
uh, one of John's recent episodes. Oh, he interviewed Tony Robbins. That sounds cool. Like maybe I'll subscribe again and get back into it. And I, I honestly believe that's why we actually had our biggest month ever last month. We hit over 2 million listens for the month of August. I think there's a number of reasons for that. We kind of got off the topic of the Paul Colligan rant that I went on on his podcast, the podcast report about me removing pre-rolls from EO Fire. A lot, you know, a lot of people were like, John, that's going to be a huge financial disaster. And it really did hurt me financially and will continue to hurt me financially going forward for the short term. But my hope is in the long term that taking away the pre-rolls, making the show better, not just going ba-bow, ba-bow, two sponsorships right at the beginning of the show is going to help my listeners and my new listeners say, oh, wow, I like this show. So that by the time we get to the mid-roll 70% of the way through that, you know, they're not then they're like, okay, like I feel like John's been giving me free content for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. I can take, you know, a couple minutes of sponsors because he's providing me content, but not even before I say, you know, hello, you know, it's good to know you. I'm throwing two ads in their face. And all of us can, you know, relate to going to a website. They're like, oh my God, I'm really excited to read this article. And then Forbes is like, <laughs> you can't go anywhere for 20 seconds while we just make you freeze here and watch this ad. And I'm like, well, forget that, Forbes. You know, I go to ESPN to watch my highlights, and ESPN's like, you got to watch the 30-second ad before. I'm like, I don't have to because there's other options. And so that's what we always have to be thinking about. There's other options. There's other great podcasts out there besides Entrepreneur on Fire that interview entrepreneurs. So I need to always be thinking and tweaking and focusing on how can I make my show as valuable and as fun to listen to as possible that's not going to turn away, especially my new listeners. That's who I really want to make sure is saying, Wow, Gary told me to listen to EO Fire, and I listened in the first 45 seconds. I just got two ads in my face. Like, what was? why did he do that? That's going to make you, Gary, less likely to recommend my show when your friend comes back to you and says, I don't know, Gary. You know, John, John was just talking about other products and services. Like, why are you sending me to, like, a spam, you know, podcast? And that, that again, was in my heart of hearts why I decided to shift from that and go into no pre-rolls mid-rolls and post-rolls because you know that's what i want to do is focus on the quality of the show someone ray maloney asked removing pre-roll was great much better listening experience and i think that's a much better listening experience for the new listener more so uh, as you just said a second ago why did you send me this spammy show someone who's listening to your stuff on a regular basis they know what great content you have and and they're going to put up with it that's the word put up with it but they're going to do it or they're going to forward pass it either way but that new and growing your market that's where the difference, I think, in having those two show, two commercials right at the pre-roll really comes into effect. I, I mean, is it, it's the new customers. I totally agree. And that's when you're a podcaster, you're going to have your core audience is going to know, like, and trust you. You're right. They know that, okay, John is going to have two 15-second pre-rolls at the beginning of every show. It's pretty easy to be like, boop, fast forward to that. And so am I really even benefiting my sponsor by like just having my core listeners just skip over it anyways and and definitely not benefiting my new listeners who are just like, I don't even know who this guy is and he's pitching me these products. So that was my take on that. Again, it took me 1,400 episodes to get there. So it wasn't like I came out of the podcasting wound, like just like, okay, I have all these great ideas. Like I'm going to make it happen. Like I had to go through a growing process and I – you know, had to rely on sponsorship revenue for a long time as the majority of my revenue, but that's changed. And again, Gary, thanks to something that you believe in strongly and I, and I believe in strongly as well, which is really create your own products, create your own services. That is going to become the core of your business. And that's, 
to me the most fun part of my business. And one thing I don't really want to do, Gary, is forget about accidentally TWT's biggest struggle of growing your audience. But before we can really help him, let's just give let me give him a little challenge right here. Go ahead and let us know like what your podcast is. Just kind of write down there like what your what your uh, podcast is as far as the niche, as far as the content, and then tell us what you're currently doing to grow your audience. Go ahead and take some time, write some things down, and we'll get back to you when you do. So, Gary, back to you. Well, that is the key, though, what you said, grow your audience, which I know you talked about a few minutes ago, different swing news out, 2012 now, but, you know, there are so many ways. I have a ritual I go through similar to yours. We do our stuff. We put it on all these, every social media where there is, and we schedule it out since our content's evergreen, which yours is too, to come out in six months and three months and stuff like that. And it looks like I produce a ton of content every day, you know, a ton of content because I have four or five posts every day of content, but it's not quite that much content as it appears because it's the same uh, content just scheduled out. Uh, I think that people will look at your show and they'll go, oh, I've seen this one. I don't need to watch this. I don't need to go to the blog and read this one. I've seen that one before. And they come, if they're following you on Facebook, for instance, they say, see me post six shows a day and then three months later they see two of them are the same ones they've already seen they understand that they've seen that but they go oh, here's two or three i haven't seen so i'm real big into scheduling out uh my my content over a six month period because it's about as far as facebook and twitter will let you schedule that stuff out and if you have enough listeners i don't believe everybody or enough followers on facebook i don't believe everybody who goes to facebook looks at their whole stream to see every piece of content that was there. You know, so it's a good way to get people who might not have been subscribing and might have missed that, I think, is by scheduling that out. Do you, do you schedule stuff out at all or do you pretty much put it up show day and that's it? So for my podcast, I am typically 40 to 50 episodes slash days ahead because my show being a seven day a week show, I typically say seven, uh, sorry, not seven, since it's a seven day a week show, I stay 40 to 50 um, episodes ahead. So about a month and a half. Um, so like, for instance, when I left Puerto Rico, um, September 5th, I had published episodes all the way up to October 15th. Um, so that when I was in Maine here, I wasn't going to have to worry about editing and publishing and scheduling and stuff like that. I was just able to focus on vacation, hanging out with friends and family. And then of course, keeping up with like emails and social media. Now my social media content, that is fresh every single day. Again, I kind of went through quickly what my morning routine is, you know, with right. the email, with the LinkedIn, with the medium, and then moving that over into Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. Um, that is all fresh content. That's all me at the beginning of every single day. That's just part of my morning routine. It's, a, it's 30 minutes of, you know, my morning routine, which is about 100, 100 minutes in total. So that's um, a fresh content, but the podcast episodes are well in advance. But I can do that because it's evergreen content. Some people have shows, like I know Jason, you know, he can't publish a show about, you know, uh, a wrestling match a month and a half from now because nobody's going to care when it happened a month and a half prior. Like people are going to want to know the day after what happened on that. So it depends on what your on your show is, if it's politics, if it's current events, if it's sports, you just have to know your show. But for me, again, people can go back and listen to episode 25 and they can be like, number one, wow, John was a really bad podcast host. And then number two, they can say, <laughs> oh, well, there's a lot of content in here that's still pretty valuable because um, John brought a good guest on for the day. You know, maybe it's Amy Porterfield or, you know, fill in the blank. All right. You know, when you talk about episode 25, I was a bad podcaster. My episode one is still up and I took a camera, set it on a tripod over my phone and shows me 
pushing buttons on my an app I made. That was that was episode one one. If you push this button, and the whole time you just see this phone, but you know, that thing still gets like five hundred views a month. Yeah. So I take I leave it there so I can see how and the app doesn't work anymore because this was before apps were in the app store, you know. And, and this the accidental tweet says he's uh. I want to get back to him real quick. Yeah, let's get back to him. Took the time to put this in. It says first of all, he's in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm in Arlington, guy. So great job. Found a good place to live. Uh, I live in Dallas, Fort Worth too. So as for growth, I use Facebook, Twitter, comedy club appearances, etc. Facebook has been worthless, even buying ads. Wow, worthless. Twitter appeared to be great when I was posting direct downloads of Libsyn, but after changing to iTunes, my number really fell off the cliff. Wow. Yeah, and I can kind of uh, talk to his Twitter. Um, a lot of people, and this this happened, um, I want to say maybe a year and a half ago now. Um, somebody kind of uh, became slightly infamous in the podcasting world, a good friend of mine, Michael O'Neill, um, for coming up with a strategy where he basically, because and he was public about the strategy, he taught it to a lot of people. Um, I never employed it because I just knew it was a bad idea from day one. But, you know, coming up with like 40 um basically Twitter accounts, you know, it would be like solo one, solo two, solo three. And then he would just um, send, send tweets out like every, every 30 seconds of his show link. And, you know, just like to, to completely like fill up people's feed of like, this is my show. This is my show. This is my show. Listen, like with a direct download link. So people would click it and the podcast episode would start playing. And a lot of people were like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And it wasn't a, like a horrible idea, I guess, if you really had like an engaged Twitter list, but when you're making individual uh, Twitter um, accounts you have you don't have uh, an engaged Twitter list because you have no followers except for for bot followers and that's exactly what happened is that like the bots were just pinging his direct download link so his, his numbers went through the roof as everybody else's did and there were people that actually did like real study tests they're like okay you know no Twitter doing you know 40 Twitter accounts every day and then taking the, and then shutting those accounts down and off the cliff because it was just bots that were just like pinging the link, pinging the link, pinging the link. So that was a strategy that uh, didn't work. It didn't make Libsyn very happy because, of course, those were a lot of fake downloads that they were having to handle on their bandwidth side. So they were like, what are these people trying to convince themselves? So that was something that um, happens about a year and a half ago now, I think. Um, and Twitter bombing. Oh, that was the word. Was it somebody put it there? Twitter bombing? <laughs> Uh, and that is the phrase. It is Twitter bombing, and it just didn't work. What I would say to you accidentally, the whole tip, is um, what I've seen that's very valuable is people doing meaningful interactions. It sounds like a lot of what you're doing is you are doing what I, what I call outbound content. You are tweeting to people. You are doing Facebook ads. You are doing Facebook posts. When are you ever doing this, like actually engaging with a person? Are you part of what you would consider a very active, engaged, fun Facebook group about your type of comedy or about, you know, member, whatever it might be? Like, are you part of like this engaged Facebook community where you're actually going every single day and you're becoming a valuable member in this community? Like you're actually asking questions like, guys, what are you struggling with? Where you're actually like answering people's questions, where you're giving guidance, you're giving support, you're becoming a person of value. You're not just becoming another voice, another, you know, like comedian screaming into the wind of a thousand comedians screaming into the winds. Like, are you being a person that's saying, Gary, like I, I, I see that you just published this. 
like very cool. Like anything I can do to help you out with that or anything that like surprised you that you're struggling with, like actually having these type of interactions, becoming a person of value in these very niche Facebook groups that again are thriving with your avatar right now. Somebody that should be listening to your podcast, but isn't because they don't know about it because all you're doing is screaming into the wind and getting lost in the noise instead of just trying to have real interactions with real people becoming that person of value in that group so that 45 days down the line, they're going to say, you know, like blah, blah, blah. You're going to say, Tom, it's funny you asked that question because I actually just answered that in episode 12 of my podcast. Here's the link to that. Now, you didn't do that day one. You did that day 45 after you've been adding value for 45 days. People are like, oh, wow. Like John is, is, is you know, somebody who's already given me advice, asked me questions, given me support. And now he's talking about a show that he published you know, 45 days after the fact that he started giving me value in my life, of course I'm going to check that out. And everybody else in that community will as well because, again, this is a community chock full of your avatars. And then you start that momentum. Then those people listen and they like it and they share it with their friends and their followers and their peers. And you just start growing it one listener at a time. I mean, as Gary said, he spoke in front of 50 people last week and he thought that was an incredibly good use of his time because it was his people. When I spoke at Podcast Movement, you know, I, I just love that because I'm speaking to my people. Like closing keynote at Podcast Movement, or not closing, I was opening keynote um, in 2015. It was amazing because there's 1,500 people that were all I considered my avatar and or friends. And like that was a great um, way for me to use my time. Like no, like that wasn't, you know, the however many, you know, listens that I get every single day with EO Fire, you know, the over 2 million listens I got for the month of August. But it was such a valuable um, just talk for me because it was in front of my avatars. And so are you speaking to your avatars or are you just, again, I'll you say it for like the fifth time, like screaming into the wind like everybody else loves to do? First of all, I want to say to accidentally PWP, if you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, you need to be coming to the podcast Dallas meetup group I run every month over in North Dallas. Okay. First Tuesday of every month, just go to podcastdallas.com. We have about 35, 40 podcasters there every month so you need to go that number two talking about uh the speaking i did last weekend at that room with 50 people i also run a meetup in arlington for social media went to it last night two people who were there said to me the first time they'd been there they said oh i saw you speak this weekend at work camp and i looked you up and saw you ran this group this is fantastic i didn't even know it was here so i got more people in my group then this is the most exciting part you're gonna like john the presenter, uh, Kaz Gaddis is her name, did a great presentation. I mean, fantastic. Uh, during her presentation, she brings up your video about Jimmy. I had never seen your video about Jimmy. My avatar, you baby. You said a few minutes ago about the avatar. So that's that's what this long rant was getting to Jimmy. But uh, so I wanted to bring up Jimmy. I think that video, first of all, is so cool the way you did that. Um, number two, though, how did you find out who Jimmy was? Maybe that's what people need to know, how to find out who Jimmy is. There's Jimmy or they're James or they're Tony or Susie. It's a great question. I really feel like it's the biggest mistake that most podcasters make. And it was by far my biggest mistake for the first three months of my podcast because I did not know who my avatar was. And I suffered as a result of it. But when I really realized that, hey, I need to sit down and not just think who my targeted demographic is, you know, like for, you know, accidentally TWT, it's like, not just like every comedian in the world. It's like, no, like comedians, 
that like, you know, kind of off color, like, you know, maybe a little raunchy jokes, you know, that are kind of like borderline. Of course, you know, if you're if your name is accidentally the whole tip, I mean, I'm probably making a correct assumption that that's the kind of comedy that uh, you're into. Then, you know, you start to narrow things down, but then you just say, okay, but who's the perfect listener? Like, who's the, just the one person that if he'd listened to this show, they are just like, oh my God, this show was made for me. Like you sit down, you, you imagine that person, and then you can just yourself create that person. And again, for me, I wrote down 1,500 words of who Jimmy was. And I won't go into the rant now, but you know, he's 36 years old. He has a wife and two kids, ages three and five. He has a 25-minute commute to work. I could go on about this guy because I know him intimately. And so every time that I have a question about how long should my show be, um, where are my current you know, where is my current avatar hanging out? What are his pain points? What are her pain points? Like, I know the answers because I know my avatar. And so I don't have to spend and waste time making decisions because I know exactly who I'm serving. And every time I am on my podcast and you'll hear me say, so Fire Nation, like, let me just kind of break down what Gary said right now. I'm not really saying Fire Nation in my head. I'm saying, so Jimmy, I just want to make sure you just get this because this podcast is for you. And this lesson is going to be so key. And that's who I'm speaking to, an individual person. So you have to know that individual person intimately. And it's going to be such a relief. It's like picture Atlas just taking the world off of his shoulders because that's what it, that's what it feels like when you sit down and craft your avatar because then it takes all the decisions off of your head and out of your plate and puts them rightfully where they should be, your perfect listener. And all the time people are like, well, John, I'm, I'm my own avatar. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like, own up to the fact that you are the podcast host. Start acting like it. Be a podcast host. And the minute you became the podcast host, you stopped being your own avatar. So deal with it. Now craft your perfect avatar and speak to that person. So how did you actually find out this information you just told me? Maybe I just been 36 years old, 20 minutes to work, blah, 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 blah. How did you figure this all out? So that's the thing is it took me time. It took me trial and error. And again, for three months, I wasn't doing it correctly and I suffered because of it. But then I just realized that I need to know there's just one person out there that I'm speaking to because otherwise there's just too much. It's like, you know, Twitter bombing as Ramona, you know, brought up. And that was, I guess, that was the big thing of New Media Expo uh, 2015 or maybe it was a podcast movement um, that everybody, you know, was screaming about the Twitter bombing scandal that was going on in podcasting. But I just was finding it's like I got to like get out there. There's like so many voices. I'm being pulled in so many directions. I need to just figure out the one voice that I'm speaking to, the one, the one avatar, the one listen. And it was trial and error. And I sat down and I said, who do I think the perfect listener is? And I just pictured, conjured up that person. And so don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't put too much stress on yourself. Just sit down and say, hey, I'm going to be able to have freedom of creation of who that person is. And guess what? If you don't get it perfect the first time, you can adjust and tweak your avatar as you go forward, it did just so happen that the basically the first time that I crafted my avatar, I just really knocked it out of the park and I hit a home run. But I've talked to many people who have said, John, I feel like my avatar is shifting. And I'm saying, well, good. Your show is progressing. Your show is evolving. Nothing wrong with that. Tweak, adjust your avatar to, you know, to, to match up with that. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's the evolvement of the podcaster. So that's you know, what I would say. Just don't put too much pressure on yourself. Get down, put pen to paper and start writing. I can't believe you were able to write that much content on your blog about your Jimmy. You did a lot of studying on this because I can sit back and see and tell you who Ted is, but I don't know that I can write that much content, even though Ted has been watching and listening for a long, long time. Want to go back to accidentally TWP? 
that web address is podcastdallas.com. Real simple there. But I don't know that I could put that much content on uh, who he is. But yeah, once you know who your audience is, now how did you feel once you figured that out? I mean, and what was the growth you saw once you figured that out? Because there must have been a feeling of, I finally got it. Uh, now I know. And the numbers must have shown it too. They did. And, you know, for me, it was really going back to that Atlas moment of, again, it was like I just took the world off of my shoulders because I was, didn't even know that I was carrying it around. You know, something that I talk about in my, my podcast masterclasses is we're all going to come to forks in the road as podcasters, as entrepreneurs, as small business owners. And if we are personally trying to make a decision at every single one of those forks in the road, we're going to be spending all of our available time, energy, bandwidth, potentially money to say, should I go left? Should I go right? Because there are just so many forks in the road. You have to make that left or right decision. But when you really craft your avatar in an intentional and meaningful way, when you get to those forks in the road, it's not that hard because you know what your avatar wants. And again, that's why I have people that come to me every single day and say, John, like how long should my podcast be? Like, should it be interview or topic based? What frequency? How many times per week, per month? And I say, why are you asking me this question? Because I got a little newsflash for you. Like, love you, but I'm never listening to your podcast. I'm not. I don't have any interest in a wrestling podcast or a knitting podcast. I'm not going to listen to your podcast. So why do you care what I think about your show? Shouldn't you care what your perfect listener would think about your show? And you That's have such the, a good point. And you have the keys to creating your perfect listener. Sit down, craft who your perfect listener is, and every one of those questions you're asking me just turn it and ask it to your avatar and they'll answer it for you because you created that person. It's like having a little imaginary friend. Don't worry about it. You're not crazy or you are, but all podcasters are crazy. So we're awesome, whatever. And just talk to your imaginary friend. I talk to Jimmy all the time. And again, every episode when I turn to my, to my microphone and I say, so fire nation, I'm really saying, so Jimmy, buddy, be, stay with me here. I know you're, you're, I know that your mind's wandering right now because you know you're commuting home and you're thinking about you know whatever it is you're thinking about fantasy football. Come back to me because I want you to get this point. I'm speaking to him, and so that is really the breakthrough that happened for me at month three, and it came at the right time because I just got done with new and noteworthy, so my numbers took a big hit. I was wondering if my show was at the beginning of the end, and. I was just like, man, something's got to change. And it was the avatar. And there's the fact that I wasn't speaking coherently to one perfect listener. And so many people are scared, Gary. They're scared that by saying, John, I'm going to create my, my one perfect listener, but then I'm only going to have one listener. Like, do you really think that there are 2 million Jimmys that pressed play on EO Fire last month? No, there's not. There's an 84-year-old grandmother and you know, an eight-year-old, um, you know, boy that press play and everybody in between. I mean, it's just a huge mix. But when you know who you're speaking to, like when you know who your audience is, then you're going to resonate specifically with your perfect listener. But you're also going to resonate with other people because you're going to have a coherent message that they can get behind and understand. Yeah, so by, by going after Jimmy, now your audience is all people who really love what you're putting out. To the to the umph degree, I mean, is what what I'm hearing. I mean, Jimmy is the person you want to contact. You don't want to contact everybody. You want to contact all the Jimmys. You get all the Jimmys. That's better than twice as many people who are like, ah, I'm halfway interested in this stuff he's promoting. Jimmy, uh, half as many Jimmys would be a much stronger audience. 
You're making me really crave some ice cream right now. I don't know if anybody else is from New England, but uh, we call sprinkles Jimmy's, and like that's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm just like, I want to, I want some Jimmy's on on some vanilla soft serve ice cream right now, baby. So I, I think I'm gonna go to Dairy Queen after this. How's that sound, Gary? I, I love Dairy Queen. I love blizzards. <laughs> that is my problem, though. You know, I love blizzards. You know, when we were when we were young, my kids were young. We would drive down, like we drove across to Houston or or San Antonio or something. On the way there, we would always go. It's time for tradition, and that was our code from the wife that we were wanting to stop at Dairy Queen to get tradition. <laughs> yes, we love the blizzard. Hey, and for me, just like this thing. is random, but just like uh, Dairy Queen went to DQ, Entrepreneur on Fire went to EO Fire. We, you know, guys, if you want to rebrand, you can do it. Hey, what are your? I, I'm just curious about this. I see a lot of podcasts now, and I think it, I, I'm sure you feel this is a compliment. But I see a lot of podcasts now that are something on fire. They're they're taking your model to the umph degree. Not only are they trying to follow the same thing, they're even naming it almost the same thing. What do you think about that? It's a compliment that they think that. But you know, I know personally, I'm, I'm I guess maybe I'm just a little piglet. You know, when I started my website softballjunk.com, I bought every junk there was. I guess sports junk, wrestling junk, baseball junk, hockey junk. I didn't want anyone having any junks. So that's maybe being a piglet. That was my way of thinking. Love it. But, uh, well, it's funny but, you bring that you up. You see a lot of on fires. Because I was actually going to bring up uh, my man, David Jackson, who just posted something fairly racy in the chat uh, right there. So um, I was going to bring him up anyways, but now it's great to see that he's here <laughs> because he actually published um, an article. I can't remember how long ago it was, David, but if, if you can link to that, it's a, pretty, it's a great article, and, and I definitely enjoyed it. But it was basically like something like the John Lee Dumas effect. And then he listed like the 20, 30, or maybe it was even up to 40 at that point, podcasts who had launched post Entrepreneur on Fire that had named themselves you know, something on fire. And he was just like, you know, what what does this mean? Like, you know, I wonder how John feels about this. And for me, it was this. Cause you know, I will say a couple, not many, but a couple did approach me before and they were like, John, inspired by your show. We just think you nailed your brands. We love everything about the, you know, are you prepared to ignite? Da da da. And there he posted it. Um, or Gary, oh, Gary posted the the podcasters roundtable thing. Um, there's also, I think, an article by David as well. And um, and I just said, guys, there's in my in my opinion, there's two ways you can live life, and it's really that black and white. It's you can have a mindset of scarcity, or you can have a mindset of abundance. And if you want to live your life with a mindset of scarcity, you're going to be freaked out every time somebody, you know, even potentially treads on your name and or does anything that's similar to you or something that you're perceiving and oftentimes like you're not even in their universe like they don't even perceive you at all but of course because it's your baby because it's your brand you just have this incredible mindset and then what are you focusing on like you're focusing on their brands on their content on, on what they're doing and what are you not doing you're not focusing on serving your audience building your brand so for me whenever people did reach out to me and they would say, John, like, we really just love this, you know, idea of on fire, but we don't want you to offend you. Like, I'm like, go for it. Like, honestly, like I have a mindset of abundance. Like if we can just focus on the brands that we're building, if we can focus on the content that we're producing and just making that better and everybody can just, you know, just focus on their stuff and not kind of get nitpicky and spend time, energy and bandwidth, which is all limited items um, on the wrong things, then all the better. Like, cause for me, it's like I produce entrepreneur on fire because I love the ripple effect. Like I love that someone could listen to my podcast and be inspired to do something that's going to inspire somebody because they decided to take that lead, that like third degree of separation where I never would have reached 
that third, fourth, fifth degree of separation person because they never would have listened to a business podcast or an entrepreneurship podcast, but because somebody listened to my show and said, wow, I'm so passionate about fishing. And then they created a fishing podcast and that just inspires somebody who listened to the fishing podcast because they love fishing to go do something else. Like that to me is the impact that the ripple effect has. And that's not going to happen um, with a mindset of scarcity. It's only going to happen with a mindset of abundance. So that's always been my answer to that. That's definitely the way that I feel. And um, yeah, boom. Well, it hasn't weakened your brand, obviously. You just, uh, from what I remember correctly from uh, Paul's blog, uh, podcast, you had your best month maybe ever or one of them. So obviously all these on flyers out there aren't weakening your brand at all. Yeah, again, it's just, I mean, when you throw, like, another log on the flames, like, does that, you know, weaken the fire or does it add to it? I mean, that's kind of a weird analogy, but, you know, that's just kind of how I look at things. It's like, why can't we all just try to prop up podcasting together? Why can't we just bring and alert more people? I mean, somebody that launched Firefighters on Fire, guess what? He's probably going to bring a whole segment of the population into the podcasting world that maybe never would have heard a podcast before. And now they're going to listen to to the podcast Repairman or EO Fire or this or that. And it just and everybody wins because you know we're not even close to getting the majority of Americans, let alone people around the world, to listen to podcasts. So the more that we can do to just get the word out there, the better. Hey, I think we're getting ready to come to the end of our time, so I want to make sure before it came that I told you thank you for taking the time with me. And I I felt really bad for podcast movement. I, I've been wanting to tell you this. You were kind enough to invite me and your, my wife down to your house. And I didn't reciprocate. So I want to make sure you know, anytime you're in Dallas, Fort Worth, I got five empty bedrooms. You got a free place to stay. Wow. Well, you know, so, so I want to make sure you know that you're welcome. You don't have to get a hotel received. room. Message received for sure, Gary. Yeah, I felt, I felt bad. My wife, when I told her that, she goes, did you tell him he's welcome to our house too? <laughs> I was like, no. And she goes, you have the worst manners, Gary. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so That's sometimes I get caught up in the moment. John, this has been great talking with you. Ditto. Uh, we've had a great chat here. We've had a, quite a few listeners. Very. Uh, your email that you send out your quote on in the morning, I knew you did the Facebook. Because I've seen that quite a few times. Because I'm a Facebook guy. I'm always on Facebook. I didn't realize you sent that out in an email. Is that just your regular email list? This is yep. your website if people are interested in that? Yep, just my newsletter. I send out a daily email. Um, it's short. It's sweet. You know, I really always for years loved Seth Godin's uh, quick little blog post that he does. And I've kind of just said, hey, I'm not going to try to recreate the wheel every morning and, and, and write some, you know, marathon. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm just going to write a little sprint. So I'm going to do a nice little one to 200 words. It's going to be great, inspirational, motivational, <clears throat> or I'm going to just uh, – you know, you know, slap it down like it is and just say, hey, and today's is actually one of those where I'm just like, it's all about whining, Gary. And, you know, as, as an officer in the U.S. Army, I don't really take to whining that well. And um, <laughs> my, my email this morning was about how back in 2012, I caught myself whining. And I said, you know, when I was an officer and a platoon leader back in Iraq, when, when my soldiers were whining, they got down and did 100 push-ups because guess what? You can't whine when you're doing a hundred reps period. And so, uh, that, that kind of shut them up. But I was like, what am I going to, what, what am I going to, um, do to shut myself up from whining? Cause what was I whining about the lack of a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs? I said, well, you know what I'm going to do to shut myself up? I'm going to fill that void. I'm going to create the podcast. And four years later, 1400 episodes later, $9 million in revenue later. I'm kind of glad I did that. Well, you were on the right track and I like your idea of doing that daily email and following it up with the show to go. I think that's a great idea. And that is so, as you said, 30 minutes to produce and do it all everywhere. I think everywhere. that's such a great idea. 
leverage. If someone learned anything else on this one, that is a tip that could make the difference for you. And it takes 30 minutes out of your day. Repurpose your content, guys. If you're going to create a piece of content, like look and see how the ways that you can leverage and repurpose that content on other channels. And again, I know some people were here for when I went on that quick little ramp, but some people um, I see have jumped on as well because we're up to 60 viewers now. So I'll quickly go through it, guys. I send my email in the morning off of a quote that inspires me and I do a little kind of personal rant on that quote. Then I, I publish it on LinkedIn. I publish it on Medium. Then I go and I, I do a, a Snapchat rant on that quote, just kind of free-flowing. I take that Snapchat video. I save it to my camera phone. I publish it on Instagram. I publish it on Instagram stories as well because I break it up into the individual videos. I publish that same video on Facebook as well. And in 30 minutes, I've just put things out to where the majority of my audience listens. It's just like a little a little uh, shot in the arm of inspiration, a little reminder that, you know, I'm alive and there's likely an EO fire podcast. that was just published because I do it every single day. And it's, uh, it's been a, a pretty great process. One more quick tip before we go to the man in the hat there. If anyone's interested in what John's talking about, repurposing your content, go see my blog post at the site multicasting.tips. I've taken a video, John, and put down 40 ways to use that video content as completely different content, whether it's books, whether it's blogs, whether it's video, whether it's quotes, whatever it is. That's an interesting little thing at multicasting.tips. I think people will find it interesting. The master. And, uh, John, thanks again for joining me, dude. My pleasure. And, you know, thanks, you know, to everybody that puts this on as well. This is not an easy process to get together. So uh, pretty impressive. And I can see that, you know, uh, our man saying that he's tired. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get him some coffee. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I've been through two pots in the last hour, so <laughs> I'll come to life soon. I promise. But hey, thanks for having us on, dude. Letting us have in this hour to sit here and chat, gentlemen. This uh, is been a awesome. Blast. Uh, two of the greatest podcasters in the world, in my opinion. Somebody that's in the Hall of Fame. Somebody that's just killing it. And here's what what's important in terms of Podcast Day, and that is it is a celebration, but there's an educational component to it. And the thing I love about our podcasting community is the desire to share. And that's what we've done. And the, everybody that was in this stream picked up valuable information, and we appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. I did, too. I said that one tip was great. So thanks, guys. You bet.